Hello, beautiful humans. Aliyah Chan here, and welcome to Human First Podcast, a space where I talk to inspiring individuals about their mental health journey in an effort to increase mental awareness, normalize struggle, and end stigma. Together, we embrace hope and celebrate all parts of the human experience. As a mental health podcast, I acknowledge that these sensitive matters may be triggering for some. If you are in crisis, please reach out to the crisis center in the area that you live in or call 911. Your safety is top priority, so please always listen in a way that feels comfortable and safe for you to do so. Thank you so much for joining me here. this episode, I speak with a very inspiring and very resilient person, Natalie Chow. At a young age, she was abandoned by her father and her family was left to pick up the pieces in his absence. And today we learn about the effects of that and how she has found herself through all of her trauma She takes us through her experience with anxiety and depression and how that plays a role in her growth. Um, I'm so excited to share our conversation as I think trauma is something that needs to be highlighted more. Um, And this topic that we all may go through in some form or another and shine this light on how we can thrive despite that. So I'm so excited for you guys to listen and enjoy. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me on the podcast today. I haven't seen you in so long, so it's so exciting to catch up and and see your face, honestly. Yes, thank you for having me. And same to you. It's uh, great to have, like, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited about what you're doing with this. I'm excited to have you on and just learn more about your story, something that I've never gotten a chance to hear about. And um, really excited for other people to also learn from from your story and your experience. Yes. Uh, yes, I'm excited to share. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to help uh, destigmatize mental health. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what I, I like to do is turn it over really to you, uh, my guests, and giving you the opportunity to start wherever that story starts for you. Um, If you want to tell us a little bit about like your upbringing and starting there and then moving on to sort of your current status in terms of mental health. Yeah. So when I really think about um, when this all started, um, it was really young. Honestly, Mm. I don't remember, um, like I remember being young and feeling anxiety, depression and not knowing what it was just because Mm. I was too young to process it, but um, long story short, it kind of stemmed from just having a turbulent home life. So her dad left when I was super young and obviously that cascaded its effect into my family. Mm. Um, My mom was obviously very upset and went Mm. through a lot of her own difficulties through depression, anxiety, and that trickled down to me and uh, mm. also my older sister, because I can okay. see that it's in our family. And mm. 
as I grew older without knowing, I could tell that uh, like now looking back that I suffered a lot of post abandonment trauma. Okay. And uh, yeah, I could see that affected a lot of my relationships in hindsight and how mm. I dealt with things, uh, which I'm obviously not uh, proud of now, but mm. looking back, I, I can understand where it came from right. and things like that. And the depression anxiety just kind of got worse as I got older because mm. I wasn't fully dealing with it at the time. And right. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of what your experience um, focused around was or sorry, started in um, your childhood and your dad leaving and um, kind of sounds like to what your mom was experiencing, you were so affected by that and you were experiencing then your own anxiety and depression that sort of trickled down, as you said, into your current experience. Um, I'm curious, Natalie, what did you mentioned that you didn't really know that it was anxiety and depression sort of at that time. Um, is it okay to ask what did anxiety, what did anxiety and depression look like for you at that time? What, what was that like? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't mind going into it, but uh, I have a very early memory from when I was in grade one, even um, mm. where I was worried about what we would like, were we going to be homeless because mm. he was providing income for our family okay. and my mom wasn't working. And I also remember from like even kindergarten younger than that, because my dad had a lot of anger issues. Okay. So he would lash out at me or, or other members of my family. And I would, mm. I sometimes would hear it, whether he wanted me to or not. So mm. I would just, it's like walking on eggshells. It's like he could easily get triggered. Uh, so I just always felt uneasy and kind of yeah. unsafe even though he never physically hurt me or anything, but it's just that explosive anger just kind of felt like it could. Yeah. Yeah. So, like that tension was always in the space. Yes. So even though you weren't physically threatened, so to say, um, sounds like your body was still on guard. Yeah. Like I have a really memory of when, um, we went on a family vacation to Disneyland It's like literally the only vacation we ever went on. And okay. I remember him dangling my, like my favorite Snoopy doll at the time out the window while we were like driving down the, like the highway. And he was laughing at me cause I was mm -hmm. crying. I was like, my favorite doll might get lost. And like, that's the kind of person that he was. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So really testing the boundaries. Yes. Right. And I can imagine as a young kid, as like younger Natalie, that was probably really hard to comprehend. Like you're usually not in a space where you can really understand or process what was going on at the time. You just knew it didn't feel right. Yeah. And it's definitely very, uh, you know, strange to have someone that you you know, that should take care of you and that you love and you see so highly of them because they're your right. parent, like doing stuff that hurts you. And like, you yeah. don't really articulate what doesn't make sense about it from young age. Cause you just kind of think that maybe that's the way people are. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that, um, you notice it 
like in your mom and you noticed the effects like in your older sister as well um what was that like what did you notice from from them and their behavior maybe it was just different variations of depression and anxiety uh whether they you know admitted it out loud or not but mm-hmm. I know that they sheltered me a lot uh, because I was the youngest. So they wanted to protect mm. me from as much as they could, even though I knew what was happening, even though it wasn't for sure, but I could sense it. Right. And, um, you know, my mom was going through a lot on her own and I felt like she didn't have as much of the emotional capacity that I wanted her to, to help mm. nurture me just because she mm. was going through a lot herself. Yeah. Um, and not really to her fault because, you know, some people just need different things to be nurtured. I wanted more communication, but right. you know, they thought it was best that I don't know a lot of things. Mm. And then obviously my sister went through a lot of uh, trauma herself, speculation, but, you know, I knew she went through a thing of depression for a while uh, mm. just because she was trying to help her family, you know, keep us all together, you know, keep a roof over our heads. And mm. Yeah, I could see anxiety in different parts of them. Maybe it's not the same as me, but I could see the way they did certain things, said things. It just kind of exuded in different things. Right. You could just tell that no one was feeling like their best self, so to say. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned you mentioned a couple things there. I think that I think are really important to know that your mom was going through a lot of stuff, and so you know, hindsight, you're like, I know she was going through a lot of stuff and she probably couldn't give me the care that I needed. But at that time, it was important for you to have that communication and, and you didn't get, you didn't get that. Um, and so that was, I can imagine that was hard for you. And then your sister taking on, I guess, it sounds like um, a bit of a caretaker role, I guess. Yeah. She probably didn't expect to take either. And, and that being probably a lot too. So everyone, yeah, it sounds like we're, ta- we're just taking on things that they didn't expect to be taking on. Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, I guess, a, a theme in our family. <laughs> mm, yeah, you'd say so? Yeah, it, in different ways. Because, um, you know, my sister was 10 years, is 10 years older than me. So she uh, did a lot of motherly kind of things. Uh, mm even though of course my mom was still my mom, but uh, you know, right. she took on other aspects. Maybe if my mom wasn't around or just to help out, obviously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And how was that for you, Natalie? Um, to grow up in, in an environment where um, people were taking roles that really weren't meant for them. Like, how was that for you? Um, I think it definitely, it definitely trickled down to me because uh, as I, I felt like I matured a lot faster than people my age because I learned how to, uh, you know, look out for my family and think of the, like, think of the future and start really um, calculating like actions and things um, that pertain to my future because it directly impacts my family. Mm. So like, you know, when I turned 16, the first thing I thought about was getting a job because I wanted to help make sure there was income and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So it definitely, uh, and just trying to be fiercely independent or like, you know, self-sufficient like that, Mm. it definitely got passed on. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like people grew up faster because of that? 
Definitely. I feel like um, when, especially for people that grow up more in like a survival mode kind of thing, you're just, um, you're just always trying to find the quickest way to get out of it and like keep your head above water. Whereas uh, I heard a really good explanation that someone once put online where, uh, you know, when you grow up in that kind of mode, you're trying to get from the fastest point from A to D, but Mm. if you have a supportive system and the right resources, you can take your time to go to A, B, C, and D. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, yeah, when you grow up like that, just you want to, you just end up getting, becoming more mature than most people your age if they don't have to go through the same kind of experience or trauma. Right, right. Yeah, like there's this need to just feel safe. And how can I, how can I feel safe fast? How can I get through this fast? Because I, I can imagine it didn't, didn't always feel good to sit in that space. Yeah. Yeah. And for people, I mean, the listeners who may not be um, familiar with trauma, um, that's a very important piece, that survival mode that you're talking about, this constant um, debalance in some way that you're not, you don't always know where is safe and how to feel safe. So you're, you're constantly feel like you're under threat. Yes. (laughs) Do you feel like that was your experience? It kind of sounds like that's what you're describing a little bit. Yeah, it took me a lot, um, like a long time to kind of feel more safe or comfortable or just relax or like take a deep breath even just, Mm. uh, yeah. 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 What was that like for you? You said it took you a while, um, to, to get there. What did that process look like? Um, well, I still feel like it's an ongoing process, um, in different aspects, emotionally and all the, and other things like physically, like relating to money kind of thing. Mm. Whereas, um, you know, I find myself sometimes as a natural instinct to be more guarded and Mm. I've had to really work hard over the last few years, especially, and maybe five to kind of be able to learn how to communicate my feelings or things like that, because talking about difficult things or feelings wasn't always a thing in my family. Right. So I like, I still remember being past relationships with people and just like having them try to talk to me about stuff. And I literally could not, I would just draw Mm. a blank. I could not vocalize anything. I could have thoughts, but I was unable to verbalize them. Mm. And obviously that was difficult for my previous partners, which I feel sorry for uh, (laughs) in hindsight. (laughs) No, but it's a learning, it's a learning process. Yeah. uh, Even things like today where, you know, since we're, I was always worried about money from a young age for our family. I still find myself worrying about uh, spending like an extra dollar for avocado Mm. or cheese. And I'm at restaurants, even though like I have a stable income, like everything's good now. We're the whole family's good, you know, right. You know, just like I have to like retrain myself to not be so worried and like high strung. Mm, Okay. Yeah. So that's like that trickling down that you're talking about that. It still plays a role. Sounds like in your, your current situation. Um, Is it okay if we go back actually a little bit, just, just for listeners who also, again, might not be familiar with trauma Mm -hmm. and 
how it works and how it affects your life. And you mentioned specifically abandonment trauma. So mm-hmm. is it okay actually, Natalie, if we, yeah. if we go backwards a little bit and um, if you don't mind sharing your experience with abandonment trauma and I guess the effects that trauma can have on a person. Yeah. Like, you know, this is obviously in, in retrospect, looking back at relationships and how I acted and noticing the pattern now where I had, um, you know, I would sometimes attach myself to people um, like really strongly. And then Mm. I'd be really, you know, deeply hurt if say we drifted, whether it was naturally or from other things, because I just Mm. really felt the need to kind of hang on to things. And I didn't understand that, you know, it's okay to drift out of friendships or relationships because that is a natural part of life. And sometimes Mm. it's just the way it works, you know, Whereas before I was a lot more resistant. I felt more uh, personally offended. Like I just felt like it was my fault a lot. And, you know, in past relationships with partners, I've also seen that I can tend to romanticize the whole thing just because I'm just Mm. eager to show someone like love and affection and like like, try to get that fulfillment. Right. for a while I was just really trying to find like friends or even part like sometimes partners to kind of uh speak in the love language I needed which is like affirmation um like yeah. vocalizing or like you know just find the other things that I didn't always get from my family yeah yeah okay so um and thanks thanks for sharing that experience with us um because that insight, I think, is really important to know that for you, with your dad leaving and that abandonment, um, it played a role in your relationships. And so there was a part of your life where the love, I guess, that you needed was absent. And so you were looking for that love in, in other ways with partners. But it sounds like you didn't know always how to vocalize your needs I guess because that wasn't something that you had the opportunity to do in as a kid yeah exactly that and another thing too where I just uh, accepted a lower level of um like return from someone else uh Mm. as in you know they could be not a great person not as great of a person as they should be but I'm just kind of ignoring it Mm. uh, which that eventually led me to be in like an emotionally abusive relationship. Mm. And I didn't know until after the fact where I was like, well, that was actually really messed up. They actually Mm. gaslit me super badly. And I didn't know until after. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. And I, again, like, thank you for sharing that because that tends or can be a pattern for people I know who have gone through trauma that, especially if it's relationship has to do with like relationships and you can always correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but because again, like you're searching for that love or, or that attachment that you didn't get to have, you sort of lean on any sort of attachment sometimes. And that mix between, I, I want to say healthy and I'm going to put it in quotations here because it's all different for everyone, but like healthy love versus unhealthy love that can get blurred sometimes when, when you have never really experienced again, healthy love in quotations, whatever that may look like yeah. for someone. Yeah, exactly that. And, um, 
you know, it also stems from not uh, knowing how to love myself as well back then either. So it was just a, like a coupling of things, mm. but um, yeah, I just remember this person kind of degrading me like mm. little bit by little, but you know, they started off super nice and amazing. Right. And, and uh, they just over time slowly made, um, you know, side comments here and there or like, mm. uh, where I was always in the wrong, even if they were in the wrong and, you know, mm. just, it was a pattern, then I would feel bad. And then I think it's my fault. Mm. And then I'm putting in more work than I should be because I just, you know, I think that they're a great person or mm. I want to keep them in my life kind of thing. Right. right. Yeah. And um, there's that sense where you were taking it personally. I think that struck me that even when things weren't your fault, you felt like they were your fault. Yeah. And that, yeah. And then saying that out loud, just like, yeah, it makes sense with the whole dad leaving thing. Cause for the longest time when I was younger, I thought it was my fault, even though that's mm. silly, mm. You know, but mm. you know, young me didn't really process that until yeah. much later. Right. And it's so hard to process things when you're experiencing them, especially as we're talking about how um, you feel in that survival mode, like, it's hard to take a step back when all you're thinking about is getting through and like surviving till the next day. Right. It's hard to, to take like that outsider's perspective and be like, Oh yeah, this is the bigger picture Yeah, because you can't, you can't, you don't have the opportunity to. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, I'm lucky that at least I have even made the realization to begin with, but now it's a lot easier to look at, you know, everything I've gone through in hindsight and kind of piece it together and see patterns or see what I could have done differently or at the time anyways. Right. Right. And, and speaking to that realization, you mentioned that, you know, after the relationship, that specific relationship, you notice, okay, this person was actually gaslighting me, or this was a bit emotionally abusive. Um, How did you come to that realization? Like, how did, how did you learn that? Uh, It was like, it was a multitude of specific examples, but um, I remember at the time, because I was a promoter uh, for music events in Vancouver, mm-hmm. and he made a comment one time and called me a thought mm-hmm. uh, for wanting to hang out with an artist after a show, even though you know he knew my intent wasn't to try and hook up or flirt. And I was mm-hmm. with uh, one, of my best, one of my best friends, Maggie, Mm-hmm. at the time but we just wanted to get the know to know the person the artist that we booked for the night right. and he called me a thought uh mm. which because uh he said without me having a status in the industry it just makes me look like I'm a thought mm. and then yeah so many other things too where he uh would never be interested in hanging out with my friends and it was always with his friends only um and he also got really upset that I had like guy friends. Mm. So I had a one really close guy friend um, where it was his birthday. And this guy offered to pick me up in Poco at the time to go to his birthday dinner downtown. Mm. And my boyfriend at the time, even though he had a car, he refused to either go to my place uh, or meet, meet us at the dinner. So then he was like, why don't you tell your friend to drop him drop you off at my place and I was like well it's his birthday and Mm. he came out to get me from Surrey right and also I told him in advance that I had a friend that was moving away for a 
unset amount of time. So I was like, we're going to go to an event after to meet this friend yeah. and didn't want to make the effort. But then I was in the complete wrong because he was mm. going to Kelowna or Kamloops for the weekend. And I was like, mm. you're asking me to choose over a friend that's moving away for an unset amount of time, plus another friend's birthday. Right. And I was in the wrong, but yeah, mm. that was like, there's so many other stories, uh, but that's the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it sounds like there's this like underlying feeling of guilt that you should feel guilty for wanting to spend time with your friend, and you had all these reasons, and that going back to it's it's your fault though, like you're you're the one who's in the wrong, and you should apologize. Like that's what I'm getting that that sense. Yeah, it was exactly that. It only took until afterwards where I just realized everything was always my fault, no matter what I did, Mm. what outcome it was. And then, yeah, it took being around my friends, spending more time again with my friends again, where I realized how much of myself I lost. Mm. Um, Do you mind, do you mind sharing that a little bit? Because I think that's really important. Um, yeah what was that kind of like coming to again when you said you're spending time with your friends and you notice that you lost a piece of yourself can you can you tell us a little bit about that yeah um it was a very small passing comment too and it was a from a friend that I've you know drifted from because party friends but Mm. uh he said oh it's really nice to have you around again Natalie I really missed having you around and it was just something so small and in passing But Mm. I just, it hit me so hard because I realized, oh yeah, I haven't been spending time with my friends or seeing them more. And, you know, I went from being maybe overly independent to try and compensate for my past to uh, just suddenly being like, uh, just being kind of controlled by somebody else, whether I liked Mm. you or not. Mm. That's so interesting what you just said there that, um, because of your past you made such an effort to be independent but then there was this huge shift that like within the relationship you went from being independent to being very codependent on someone um and you mentioned like the word controlled by someone else I find that to be very very striking yeah and like you know I don't think that they necessarily had the intent to um hurt me that way Hmm. I just think that you know, they had a lot of their own emotional baggage trauma that they did not process. Mm. So they took it out on me. Right. Right. But as someone, um, well, I know you're a little bit of your story now, but as someone who has experienced their own trauma, um, I can imagine that was tough though, like tough to navigate because again, it's a sort of like relation, relational trauma where it gets those lines get blurred and so it's hard it's hard to be assertive and be your own person I'm assuming when when you want that attachment though too like being in a relationship does feel good too yeah definitely and you know and it's hard because again if you don't have a good example what a healthy relationship looks like then you're not really sure where the line is because you you know, just because you really care for someone doesn't mean it's always healthy. Mm, Yeah. 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 And it sounds like you're like, looking back, you've come to sort of um, a new learning, like you, you have new learning about that. So what has that piece been look like for you, Natalie, just being able to like, look back and understand that 
that maybe wasn't the best for you? What has this part of your journey looked like? Uh, well, I guess it's, it's, it's been really nice in a weird way because it sets an example of what I, you know, what I'm not looking for and what needs to change in the future. And, you know, I'm one of the lucky few that, you know, got out of this pattern of potentially furthering going to abusive relationships or, mm. uh, but yeah, it's been interesting to uh, look back and be able to see what, uh, you know, <laughs> see it more clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Has anything helped you in like, anything specifically to kind of, like kind of have you like be able for you to talk about your sort of past trauma in in a way that doesn't overwhelm you like what has that healing looked like for you that you're able to talk about your past relationships talk about your dad leaving what has helped you um probably talking about it more because I went mm. from never sharing things that really hurt me or being unable to uh, right. sharing a lot relying on like finding my people like finding my friends that are my family that I can really mm. lean on and understand and deeply listen and uh you know are there for me and right. you know now I've reached that age where my friends are like the ones that I'm probably keeping for life I don't mm. see that changing whereas mm. before I was you know still trying to find my way with which friends are my family mm. so being able to rely on people you love is was was instrumental for me and um also when I started be getting into better and better relationships or mm. uh, learning how to handle myself in relationships it just kind of started changing and because I realized mm. what I need to do differently what I don't want in a relationship um, and with every bad one I learned from it and then after that I had a few really good relationships and then mm. that also really helped put things into perspective too so yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's so nice to hear that you have friends that feel like family. I think that's um, can be really rare. So yeah. it, I think it's so beautiful for you to say that there's like these, you have your people that has really helped ground you. Um, and then the piece of just, I, I think what's important, what you just said there is like you gave yourself the opportunity to learn more about yourself and what you wanted in a relationship and what you didn't want. And kind of setting those boundaries which I think for a lot of people is really hard because yeah we can fall into fall into anything and for you you realize like hey I I don't want to keep continuing this so what do what do I want and I think that's that can be really hard yeah and uh because sometimes I you have to really be honest with yourself you have to look at yourself and the situation more objectively because I think you also have to look at what you yourself did wrong or what you mm. could have done better and right. that was also another you know not so great but great moment it's like mm. you know realizing what I could have done differently or what I should have done mm. and how in the future how I can hopefully change that and mm. work towards that yeah can I ask Natalie how what were what did that self-exploration look like like did you just sit down and really just reflect like are you a writer just just curious what I yeah what that self-reflection process looked like for you yeah I used to journal a lot more but I find that I only do it now when I'm really venting or trying mm -hmm. to process something um 
trying to make a more a better habit of it. But I would say it's just different. Um, I guess sometimes it could be when I'm doing nothing, I'm just kind of thinking about it because with anxiety, mm. I tend to live in my head a lot. So I replay situations a lot. Yeah. And sometimes I can come to a uh, realization. Sometimes I don't, but mm. it's just a lot of thinking and a lot of revisiting certain situations or, um, you know, sometimes seeing something similar to happen to somebody else and then seeing that objectively right. and then relating to myself in a past mm -hmm. experience and going, oh, <laughs> mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it kind of sounds like anxiety. Um, a lot of people will say, oh, I hate overthinking, but in some way I'm sort of hearing that it has helped you in some way to reflect because it's allowed you to think about things that maybe some people don't want to think about. Yeah, I think it's both a blessing and a curse because I can be mm. more detail oriented in certain situations, uh, emotionally or otherwise, but then I also sometimes do a lot of unnecessary mental work. <laughs> mm. Mm. Right, yeah. So there's that, the, yeah. the good and the bad, I think. Yeah. What does, um, we spent a lot of time speaking about the trauma and how that played a role in your life, but I do want to acknowledge that you mentioned you that anxiety and depression are, are a big part of your life as well. And I just wanted to touch on that as well, if you don't mind. And, and how is that for you right now? Uh, well, I find that um, it's hard to, I, I, it's hard to describe, but I feel like from a young age, my baseline has been depression, anxiety. So it's really hard to mm. uh, work past that because that's what I'm very used to feeling. I'm trying to become more comfortable with feeling happy and not worrying that something's going to go wrong because it's mm. just too good right now. Cause my life yeah. is actually pretty great. Mm, that's so great to hear. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I feel like I can describe it kind of like Eeyore where there's just a mm. cloud falling Eeyore around and that's kind of what I feel like. And I have to work really hard to be happy. Mm. Um, I feel a lot of, like highs and lows, maybe kind of extremely. Mm. But um, yeah, I also learned that I have ADHD recently. Mm. So mm. apparently that could be, it is one of the um, things of, of why people have like prolonged depression, anxiety, if ADHD is not treated. So that's something I learned in the last month or so that I'm okay. still learning about myself and exploring. <laughs> yeah, I, we are all always learning about ourselves. Um, but that's an interesting fact, I guess. Yeah, fact. Yeah. Um, and do you know, I don't know if you've gotten information and in for people who may not, again, be familiar with ADHD and just anxiety and depression in general, but do they give you a little bit of insight as to why if ADHD isn't treated, anxiety and depression can be more present? Um, not fully, but from what I was kind of gathering, uh, from kind of, I guess their summary and what I read online, it's that, uh, you know, sometimes people with ADHD have a mental block about them doing, uh, like tasks or things, or even doing things that they enjoy, which mm -hmm. I have difficulties with. Um, I mean, I can get anything done that other people rely on me for, because I think that's mm. just, uh, the weird perfectionism in me but when it comes mm. to doing stuff for myself I don't always get to it unless it's absolutely necessary mm. so like you know learning hobbies that I really enjoy I put that off even though I love I love I would love to learn more right but, um and apparently it's 
because it causes anxiety that's just your head is working in overdrive. So you're thinking about all the things you should be doing, but for whatever reason, you can't do it. So you get Mm. depressed (laughs) because you're just hard on yourself. And like, you just think, uh, well, I'm just a big mess and can't do anything. So it's just a kind of like a spiral. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for taking us into your head with that a bit, (laughs) because it sounds like a lot, like that sounds like there's, um, sounds like you're being pulled into a lot of different directions a lot of the time. Yeah. And uh, it was definitely interesting to learn that connection because uh, when I was talking to these specialists, because they specialize with adult ADHD, they don't, uh, you know, talk to children or anything that Mm -hmm. uh, that's when they told me how the longer goes undiagnosed for the worse the depression anxiety gets. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people get mistreated for both those things. And then it doesn't really get to the root of the depression or anxiety. It might help it, but it Mm -hmm. won't get to the root of it. And they notice that being a pattern in a lot of adult diagnosed ADHD people. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't know that. So that's a new learning for me and super interesting to know about because, um, yeah, I wonder then how how many times it really does get missed and what that looks like for a, a lot of people. Yeah. And I thought it was very interesting because, uh, you know, I actually had to push back to my doctor to get this diagnosis because I was like, I really think there's something there, Mm. but because I'm, but then she kind of threw back with, well, you say you have no problem getting your work done. Then I don't really think that's an issue. And I was like, I was trying to explain to her more. Right. And, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of other things related to it that people might not pick up on. Right. Interestingly enough, it's also more undiagnosed in women than men, Hmm. which, yeah, I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess then it kind of leads us into me or me asking, you know, new diagnosis, past trauma, anxiety and depression playing a role in your life here and there. Um, What really helps you, Natalie, to stay grounded, to to live the life that you want to live. Like this is, this can be really hard stuff. So what, so what really helps you, you, you think? Um, well, when the, when pre COVID uh, music, mm. um, I owe a lot to music because it helped me through a lot of times when I was younger. And as I grew older, it became a really big role in my life. So mm. um, I would say most of the amazing things that have happened in my life have been because of music like a lot of the, mm. my best friends and most uh, important people now have been through meeting through music or connected through that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I love live music. I love shows and things like that. So I think finding things that you're genuinely interested in, you know, that makes you feel alive, hopefully that's, yeah. that's it. Um, you know, staying connected with my good friends, the ones that make me feel safe and loved and listen yeah. uh, and leaning on them when I need to and mm-hmm. uh, having cute animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a dog and a cat, so that really helps and an amazing partner. So, yeah, you know, someone that really, thankfully I have a partner that, you know, accepts me for who I am, understands all the ups and downs and doesn't, you know, judge me or get mad at me for it and just mm. holds me or does whatever I need that in that moment or that day or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, all those pieces, so are so vital, right? Like, finding something we love and enjoy doing, whatever that is, finding a passion, surrounding ourselves with people that care about 
about us, including animals, mm-hmm. um, and and having someone that we can lean on, whether that is a romantic partner, whether that is like just friendships, someone that I think we can feel really accepted around. And I mean, on for me, I think it's so great for me to hear Natalie, again, just hearing a bit about your story and how communication and relationships were hard to hear that you're in a relationship that you're able to be yourself and that's okay. I think with trauma, that's a huge win. Like I'm celebrating for you because that is, that's so great. Like that's, that, yeah, that's really, no one saw us do like a little dance there. But, um, like that's, that can be really hard for people who have experienced ruptures in any sort of relationship, right? So I think that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yes, uh, I'm also very uh, stoked that I'm not continuing the way I used to. Right, right. Um, and you mentioned your support system, and I'm just curious, you know, if listeners have someone who may be experiencing similar things, whether that's trauma, whether that's a, a relationship that's abusive in some way, whether that's anxiety, depression, ADHD, um, what, ha- what has worked for you in terms of support? Are there any things that that support system can do to help reach out a bit more? Um, I'm not sure, but I would say, I guess my, with my friends, they're just very good listeners and empathetic and not always a necessity, but finding people that have gone through similar situations, I find really help. Mm. Um, but yeah, just, I have friends that I feel truly listen. And when they're there, they're mm. super engaged and, you know, they, also know that sometimes it's not just about giving advice. It's just being there for someone and letting you vent or things like that, or just knowing to how to speak your love language, whether that's going, going to get ice cream, binge watching stuff, or just hugging you or mm-hmm. different ways. You know, I just have friends that know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm very lucky. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you're very lucky. Um, and I think what you just said out there about not always having to give advice. Um, I think sometimes we we all want to jump to a solution. And again, like that's maybe not what they need. And I, you mentioned love languages a couple of times. I'm, I love learning about people's love languages. And it's it's so, um, it tells a lot, right? Like maybe the person right does just want ice cream or maybe washing the dishes for them when they're feeling really sad is, is what they need. Um, being open, I think, to learning how people uh, communicate love makes a whole lot of difference. Yes. And I feel like that's also, uh, you know, when I hit my own growth or realization that, you know, different people have different love languages, you got to understand that. And you also can't take it personally if someone doesn't give you what you want, if you don't uh, vocalize it, because they might not know otherwise. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. And Natalie, as you're sort of in this place where, I mean, it's, yeah, the happier, happier part of everything. Um, is there anything you would tell your past self that, that Natalie, that was in survival mode? Hmm. Interesting. Um, I would say just keep, uh, just keep working through it. Keep putting in the effort to be happy uh, to grow, whether that hurts or it feels like it's going nowhere, 
because sometimes it can be doing work that you can't understand or see behind the scenes. Mm. Um, time heals most wounds. And yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's so beautiful. Um, I, I love asking that question because I think it's it's a cool reflection of just seeing where you're at now to be able to tell our past self something, right? Yeah, and uh, another thing, another quote that I read a while ago that really stuck with me that I feel like that's what I work towards is um, be the person that you needed when you were younger. Mm. And I feel like, you know, what the first time I heard that quote, that kind of sat in the back of my mind and it's really stuck with me because I feel like I'm always actively trying to be that person, you know, mm. the one the one that knows how to communicate, the one that's, you know, independent, but not too much where that they know how to lean on people, you know, that are loving, things like that. Mm, right. Oh, I, I love, 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 love that. Because I think that just shows so much growth, right? That one, you're able to, you're able to acknowledge what you needed. And then second, acting like the person that you needed back then, like that just creates a future that's so much more hopeful I think right and I don't know just better just better yeah I hope so <laughs> yeah um and Natalie what do you think you learned about yourself um going through what you've gone through and just your experience um that I'm more resilient than I thought mm -hmm. um um yeah that's the main thing that I'm more resilient than I thought. And I have more amazing friends than what most people wish for, mm. which I'm really lucky about. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're so blessed um, to have, I mean, I, I don't, I've never met your friends. I don't think, but just the way you talk about them, you can tell that um, you're so loved and they're so loved. So. Yes. And uh, also my family, you know, my mom, my sister, that have still been there for me mm -hmm. through this whole time. Mm, mm, yeah that's a key piece too and I'm, I'm happy to hear that your family is still a great support support system for you yeah thank you yeah um so as we're winding down Natalie I just want to say like thank you so much for talking about your experience and telling me telling the listeners about everything that you've spoken to today you you mentioned a lot of important issues I think that are really important to talk about and are not always talked about so I'm super grateful to have you on and just be open about speaking today yes again thank you for having me I'm excited to see what you do with this podcast and to listen into other people's stories thank you thank you um before we head off though I do have my three little human first podcast questions that I like to end every episode with. So is it okay if I ask you now? Definitely. Okay. My first question is, what are you grateful for? Uh, as a whole, my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very generic, but my whole life. Mm -hmm. uh, the second question is, what makes you feel like your best self? Hmm. Um, when I'm being a good person to myself and to others. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And my third question is what does being human mean to you? Hmm. 
I'd say embracing all the ups and downs of life, feeling it fully and just kind of accepting that, that it's part of life. Sometimes mm -hmm. terrible things happen for no reason. Um, and yeah, just accepting that life does eventually go on and you don't have to fully let go of anything you don't want to, but you can, and you can carry with you. And even though things are hard, you usually get better at carrying things. Mm -hmm. Be beautifully said. I love that answer that being human means all of it and embracing everything that comes with that. <laughs>